This is podcast number 316, entitled The Ballad of John and Walter. And the excerpt is from The Ballad of John and Yoko from 1969, which is suffused right in that first verse with Christian imagery, even this direct Christian imagery, even though at that moment in history, there was a huge shift going on in the world. And I don't want to be suddenly sort of a, um, a culture critic, but I want to talk about a shift in taste, which I, uh, hit me very directly, and has hit me again, hit me again, um, in uh, recent months in a way that is both um, really humbling and also hopefully hopeful for um, the listener, for you and me in this era. And the um, shaking of the foundations for me has been a kind of understanding that almost all the movies, or at least a great many of the movies and art, especially the seventh art that I have worshipped, honored, and adored since I was about eight, six, five, starting at about 1968, things really shifted, and uh, the whole enterprise of making uh, interesting movies seemed to shift over to anti-establishmentarianism, anti-authoritarianism, and really attacks on the status quo, which, while they may have had their place in their way and had been prepared, but it did sort of shift in 1968, and I was very much there. I felt like I was in the crucible right at that moment. The shift really is a shift in reality and a shift in the understanding of human relationships and a kind of concession to narratives and kind of paradigms that overtook so much of popular art and made us confuse artistic expression with paradigms. And I say that because I'm confronted now with, especially with movies, many of them, Hollywood movies in particular from the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and early 60s that have a very different message when it comes to Christianity. Christianity, ministry, grace, compassion in religious terms, and God, than almost all the movies that we worshipped and adored following that period. And I want to take you back to that briefly and then talk about some things that have really had a tremendous um, influence on uh, my um, own understanding artistically of of the power of Christian transformation. Well, that's promising a lot, but it all started with a um, kind of a remark that was made. Um, I had decided to see a movie from 1938 directed by Clarence Brown, who was a wonderful Hollywood director who did a lot of movies you've heard of, but you haven't heard of him, nor had I until about six months ago. And he directed a movie in 1938 called Of human hearts. The name is unpromising, but the movie stars Walter Houston as a frontier circuit rider evangelist, and Jimmy Stewart as his son, and Beulah Bondi as his wife. And in this paragraph I was reading from a man whose work, who's now deceased, I really admire. He was a film critic on the internet and, and uh, wrote, in my opinion, with amazing kind of amateur knowledge, but real authority. He picks up on this movie and he says, when you start to watch this movie and you see Walter Houston playing an evangelist, you immediately think, fanatic. Therefore, it is quite surprising, as you watch this movie of human hearts made in 1938, that the minister evangelist turns out to be, despite a certain <coughs> thumping kind of... Um, well, he says, a, a tendency towards narrow-mindedness, he's actually a wonderful person and is displayed and uh, uh, acted as a marvelous, really deeply generous and compassionate man 
with his faults alongside his son, who in fact is not the hero. His son is a horse's you-know-what, uh, Jimmy Stewart. And um, that struck me because I felt the same way until a few years ago if I heard the word Walter Houston, the famous actor from long before my time, who was the father of John Houston, the movie director who we worshipped, I would have said, oh my gosh, um, uh, rain. Walter Houston is the star of Rain, and Rain is a movie from the very early 1930s with Houston as an evangelist and uh, Joan uh, Crawford as a kind of, quote, loose woman on an island somewhere. And the missionary uh, ends up having an affair with her. It's based on a Somerset mom story, and he has a terrible fall, and it has a tragic, terrible ending. And it is a classic parable of a of a fallen pastor, um, a hypocritical... Uh, he's not, in fact, a bad man, but he's fallen. He falls deeply, and he he ends very tragically, and it is typical of Somerset Maugham, who was no friend of Christianity. He had his reasons, he had his reasons, but he was, uh, he was no, he was, anti, a, a, despite his brilliance, he was actively uh, antagonistic to Christianity, in particular in the church, Church of England. And um, so I think Walter Houston, well, I think of uh, the anti-hero, terrible, tragic, quote, hero, end of quote, almost villain, of um, Rain. Well, uh, this fellow says, you know, uh, we all thought that. And then, you know what's happened? I've recently discovered three different movies where this great actor, Walter Houston, in fact, plays a very, very positive spiritual figure. One is the one I just mentioned, Of Human Hearts. Another one is Congo, K-O-N-G-O, in which he plays a kind of voodoo witch doctor, a, a real scam artist and awful person, depraved almost person, white man who has taken terrible advantage of a, of a tribe in Africa to which he has represented himself as kind of a voodoo king, and they accept it, but he's taken terrible advantage of them and other people. And this movie is often seen as, quote, pre-code, end of quote, therefore it deals with sexual... What do these people know? Pre-code. Anyway, it could have made it any time, but... But the man is entirely convicted at the end by a terrible thing he has done, a sin that goes back to a misunderstanding that's 25 years old, a terrible thing that he's done, and he realizes he has done it. He prays forgiveness of Jesus Christ in particular, explicitly finds it, and gives himself with enormous love and self-sacrifice to the salvation and deliverance of uh, two people whom he uh, truly cares for and whom he has wronged. And uh, he, in other words, completely redeems himself. That is a deeply Christian movie. And then there's the movie Gabriel over the White House from 1936, in which this is a controversial movie under present circumstances, but I love it. And you should see it. It's very good, whatever you may think of its application. It's good on its own terms. And in it, a, a roué of a president, a real political operator, and not a good man is... Uh, overtaken by the Holy Spirit during a time of intense sickness and recuperation, and he is possessed by the Holy Spirit and called by the angel Gabriel to do wonderful things for his country, which he does. And it is an extraordinary picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in a, in a very compromised human being. It is a wonderful story. What am I saying? Well, because of the sort of way I've been brought up ever since I was about eight in the critical establishment, I um, just assumed that anything with Walter Houston, he must be playing a hypocrite. Well, he's not. And what's been so interesting is here I'm just one guy, but I've been, uh, been reading, um, oh my gosh, I've been, uh, I've been, um, uh, focused on Michelangelo Antonioni and Tony Richardson and uh, Jean-Luc Godard and Francois Truffaut and then uh, the people who made The Graduate, you know, in 1968 and all the movies that are... Uh, 
Stanley Kubrick, everything that's anti, 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 albeit well done, albeit artistically done and often very compellingly done. And it's sort of one line when it comes to Christianity and God, one line, very antagonistic. And I've been wrong because there's a whole vast body of work out there, which does, in fact, historically speaking, predate 1968 with a few later ones that is highly supportive of the Christian church and the Christian faith and the Christian gospel. And interestingly enough, is more realistic because the movies that came along in 1968, and I'll tell you the movies I saw in the summer of 68, I saw um, um, the first run, um, The Graduate, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, Petulia, uh, Wild in the Streets, um, oh my gosh, um, Elvira Madigan. I mean, these were all nihilistic, horrible movies. We thought they were so cool. You know, oh, that's so cool. They, they, he kills her and then he kills himself. That is so cool. And that Mozart music is so cool. Are you kidding me? Um, it, it is nihilistic, destructive. You do not want to be watching those movies a la, what is it? Um, Oh, that movie uh, with uh, Edward G. Robinson, uh, Soylent Green. You do not want to be watching those movies as you die. They are they are death. They are the the antithesis of hope. And um, and then I've been exposed to all these movies from an earlier period, which are highly popular, but about real things. They're about real loss, about real marriage, about real real rediscovery of love, about real reinstilled compassion, real despair as over against hope that is uh, uh, made powerful or made possible lit. <laughs> L-I-T, by love, by even romantic love. And I see so many um, important, um, noted good things here in an earlier era. So uh, let's just think about it for a minute. By the way, at the end of the cast, you're going to hear an excerpt from Mrs. Robinson, which was from The Graduate, which is a seminal movie. It's, It's a decisive movie historically in which everything got turned around, and that movie I loved. But I remember even the night I watched it when it first opened, and here's to you, Mrs. Robinson, Jesus loves you more than you will know. And then he talks about heaven is meant for those who pray, and I remember thinking at the time, wait a minute, I, that's, that's not very cool. It got cool after that, but that's not cool. <laughs> what I wanted, you know, I thought it was cool when they took the crucifix or the altar cross off of the altar in the Presbyterian Church in Hollywood or wherever it was, and... Um, and they, uh, or San Francisco, I can't remember, they took the altar cross and used it to bang everybody else and finally to lock the door. And that's a nihilistic movie. I mean, look at the look on, on those two people's faces on the bus at the end. What the, what have they done? What if, what's happened? And does it ever really happen like that? I mean, you might have a Anne Bancroft encounter in your life. Everybody's had something strange. Someone very odd has come into your life, possibly even in a very, um, a very abashed and embarrassing manner looking back on it. And yet, has that ever gone to the extent that the uh, that the graduate does know these were movies in the grip of an agenda. He, he was attacking groups of people in his mind, uh, rather than talking about individual people who all have problems, whether they're Miss, Mrs. Robinson or whether they're the Dustin Hoffman character or they're the is it Catherine Ross? I always forget who it is. I think it's Catherine Ross. Um, who are, you know, I don't think that's right. Anyway, who are needy and troubled and wanting love. And uh, the movies that I'm talking about from the 30s and 40s are about real people. Yes, they give Christianity a very fair shake in the ministry. Let me give you some examples. I've just mentioned the one, A Miracle of the Bells, about a man who's uh, the the only woman he's ever loved, the only person he's ever loved is dead when the movie starts. Miracle of the Bells, 1947, with Fred McMurray and Frank Sinatra. He is at the complete end of his life. He has never been able to say to the one person in the world whom he truly loved that he loves her 
before she died. He never got around to saying it. He was too abashed and scared, whatever reason. He didn't have the guts to say to her what he really felt. And he's faced now with her dead in a casket on a train. What's he supposed to do? Well, this movie is an unbelievable, based on an even more unbelievable, powerful novel by Russell Janney, The Miracle of the Bells, in which a man finds his hope through the power of God after the entire tragic defeat of his whole life in his mid-40s. Or um, Miracle of the Bells. I talked about that recently when uh, 1956, when Jane Wyman, who's a rather mousy, lonely little girl looking after an impossible mother, a young woman looking after an impossible mother, and the only uh, moment of happiness she has ever had in her own terms of delight, joy, hope, and belovedness has come to a dramatic end when the man she loved has been killed in the Pacific Theater of World War II, and she has nothing to go on. She wants to kill herself, and she finds herself lovingly brought by a friend into St. Patrick's Cathedral where she prays an odd but heartfelt prayer, a confused but heartfelt prayer to the statue of St. Andrew, and the answer, the prayer is Answered miraculously and wonderfully. I could talk about the First Legion from 1951, about a group of hyper-rationalistic Jesuits in whose community a true miracle happens. A sort of a miracle, is it or is it not? And then, and then it's revealed to be true at the end. A true miracle has happened. They can barely see it, and a man is brought to an abreactive crisis, and a woman is healed. And that is a powerful movie about miracle in Roman Catholicism, and yet among very rationalistic people. Or I could talk about... Um, um, journey into light with Sterling Hayden. I grew up with his son, his adoptive son. Went to their apartment in New York regularly to play. Wonderful man. And his father, adopted adoptive father, fantastic actor. Sterling Hayden plays an Episcopal minister whose uh, wife commits suicide and he loses his faith almost instantaneously, gravitating gradually in the downhill slope to the Bowery, the skid row of Los Angeles where he is saved. He's saved through the love of a blind woman played by Vivica Linfors. Are you kidding me? But it's totally true. You see, you said, you know, that could be me. Uh, that is me. <laughs> Not Vivica Linfors as much as who's lonely and lost and lonely herself and finds true love in, the, in an atheistic, dispossessed Episcopal clergyman who's at the end of his tether and God is magnified. He returns to the ministry. Or I could talk about... Um, Oh, golly, there's so many others uh, that come into my mind. The Prisoner of Shark Island by John Ford, in which all PC stereotypes are overcome in this passage in which a former slave of a white plantation owner accused of uh, being an accomplice in the assassination of Abraham Lincoln saves the man's uh, life and hope. Contrary to all, quote, reason, end of quote, a brilliant picture of redemption and reconciliation. Um, I could, gosh, I could name 12 by him. There are many, many others. Mr. Belvedere Rings the Bell from 1948 or 49, where Clifford, uh, Clifton Webb plays a Jesus Christ-like figure who comes to an Episcopal church retirement community where the people have entirely lost hope, entirely lost hope and are depressed in their different ways, men and women. And he brings a Christ-like imputation of love to this group and love is born and it's a powerful picture of grace. Who's ever heard of Mr. Belvedere rings the bell? What I'm trying to say is we were wrong. We were, we were, I was, I was mystified and hypnotized by something. And the something by which I was hypnotized was the, um, was a mistake about um, the uh, 
the history of popular art in which there was great Christian understanding and then things shifted and a certain kind of cloud descended, a narrative descended, and these movies were lost. These works of popular art were lost and there it is. There it is. So see the movies. Think about yourselves. You might even start with Of Human Hearts. It's a little bit banal in certain places, but it's such a surprise when you see what's really, what really happens. It's, 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 it's like such a surprise. It's almost, did they really make this movie? How could they make it? It's so, it's so hopeful. It takes an impossible young man, a really, really misbegotten chap, and uh, turns him around as it might actually happen, and yet as it could never happen, but it could happen. It's the power of God, let alone the President of the United States. It's an amazing story. Well, I leave that with you. Um, these movies I've mentioned, see them. They'll give you a different narrative. It's not a narrative. It's the truth of life. It's loss. It's sin. It's redemption. It's forgiveness. It's hope. It's despair. It's despair transmogrified, trans, uh, metamorphosized through real deliverance, and yet no denial, zero denial, no zip ties on the truth. See the movies, think about them, and uh, you might actually find yourself sort of saying, how was I such, you know, won't get fooled again, <laughs> won't get fooled again. Here we have a little clip from the Christian surprise of Simon and Garfunkel from the spring of 1968. Love you. i uh-huh.